Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. All right, well, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich. I'm the po- I'm the host around these parts. So glad that you've decided to come and spend some time with us today. This is the podcast where we get a chance to talk with great church leaders from across the country about what they're learning uh, in their particular context. Super excited to have uh, Tom, Tom Antwerp today with us. Van Antwerp. I forgot the van. Uh, super excited to have Tom with us. He's at uh, Grace Chapel here on the East Coast. Nice to bump into another East Coaster. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Rich. Thanks for having me. No, I'm super excited to have you. Uh, why don't we, before we kind of jump in, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about and then about the church you serve at? Yeah. So uh, I have. Uh, I'm. My name's Tom Van Antwerp, and uh, <laughs> I've been at Grace Chapel for about 15 years. Uh, I grew up in upstate New York, Syracuse area, and uh, went to, to Wheaton College. Uh, met my wonderful bride there, Julie, and uh, after we graduated, we moved out to uh, back to uh, Battle Creek, Michigan, believe it or not, for the first nice. three years. Um, then uh, came back to New England to go to seminary up at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Been doing youth ministry for, you know, 14 years before uh, transitioning to Grace. So, um, loving it at Grace. I'm now the uh, campus pastor at uh, Grace Chapel in Wilmington, our first uh, campus launch three years ago. Nice. So, our three-year anniversary. Now, why don't you tell us, for people who don't know Grace, why don't you tell us a little bit about the church's history, kind of the style, give us a sense of, you know, what's happening at Grace. Yeah, Grace is, uh, Grace Chapel's been around for 60 years, 64 years now. Um, it was started in uh, Lexington as a non-denominational church by a group of folks who, really five couples, who uh, met in a, in a living room for a number of years, just praying to ask God to help them to establish uh, a gospel uh, believing Bible believing church in Lexington mm-hmm. and uh, so it's been around for 60 years has grown from that five couples to um, now a church where I think on Easter we had 6100 we're at four campuses now mm-hmm. and um, but it is just a it's a non-denominational church that uh, founders really wanted to start with a non-den- non-denominational uh, church experience and uh, they were very forward thinking making sure that the boundaries were uh, as low as possible for people to come to Christ and come to experience the, uh, just the joy of, of being a part of a great church. So, yeah. Nice. Now, you were um, the, now, were you there to help launch the campus that you're currently in, or did you transition in when it had already launched? Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I was the uh, lead pastor at, uh, at the point of launch. Mm-hmm. Um, so before that, been around Grace, as I said, for 15 years. Um, so it was you know, part of the strategizing uh, team, um, the leadership team that um, came to the conclusion that our next growth uh, mode was going to be not through church planting, uh, which Grace had done a number of times prior, but uh, through launching uh, launching a campus. Nice. So, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to learning. You know, what would you say... Um, you know, a lot of times I think the perception of, you know, multi-site churches is they're all like young churches that have just been around for 10 years and they've just been, you know, cranking out new ones. Um, but, you know, Grace Chapel has been around for a while. It's, a, you know, it's a 60-year-old church, been through some transition, planted some churches. Um, you know, how have you kind of led that process of taking kind of an established church to launch out? What are some of the things you've learned uh, launching out new locations over these last number of years? 
Yeah, it was a uh, it was a new endeavor for us, and the idea in uh, sort of uh, historic, uh, traditional New England of moving a uh, a church that's been around to uh, consider the idea of launching uh, multi-site uh, churches with uh, especially the technology involved in that, the video venue kinds of experiences that we have. Um, it was uh, it was a significant uh, visioning process for our whole congregation. Um, Gordon McDonald was actually uh, our lead pastor a number of years ago, so many know Gordon. Uh, Brian Wilkerson is now our senior pastor, and uh, he really led with a strong vision for it as we you know, considered scalability and uh, potential growth. It's very hard in New England to start a, uh, a new church. We've done that a number of times, but it just takes years. Right. So, um, so we began to cast vision um, with, first of all, some of our strategic stakeholders uh, in the church, realizing that um, there are going to be early adopters. And, uh, um, and so we tried to we try to engage folks with vision first and foremost. Mm-hmm. It's always been a church that has sought to expand its reach and uh, to grow. So the idea of continued growth and outreach was uh, was really where we started, right at the heart of the gospel. Hmm. Um, so, but uh, we also yeah, How, what did that look like? How did you cast vision? Was it just from the stage, or were there other kind of events? How did you begin to kind of cast vision to people at your church? Yeah, we have a we have a group of about 200 key leaders at church that we bring together about twice a year to mm-hmm. talk about the vision of the church, where we're going, new new initiatives, and things like that. So we really started with that, um, with those uh, high level leaders, key leaders. Um, began with just uh, telling the story of where we've come to, where we believe God's calling us, and uh, getting them. Informed initially and uh, and hopefully on board. Nice. Now you, I'm assuming at some point you started to gather a small group of people together to actually launch out. Um, what did that process look like for you? You know, before you stepped out to launch the new location. Yeah, a lot of it had to do with trying to decide where we were going to launch. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, trying to know who it was that we were inviting into the process. But the fact is, we we kind of surveyed our uh, geographic area and asked ourselves a question, where is it most likely that um, we could establish something of strength, especially being the first campus, we knew that we needed to have some good success mm-hmm. early on in order to, you know, have the congregation believe this could happen in New England. Right. <laughs> so um, so we, we looked at our small groups. Uh, we, we tried to find where are the pockets of really strong small groups and small group leaders, uh, people who have been invested in Grace Chapel for a long time, and uh, so we sort of drew a circle around, a target around that group of folks, um, and then um, then listed those small group leaders and some of the key leaders in that area, and began to have, we pulled together about 12 of them, 14 of them, and, you know, threw the idea out there to them to see what kind of responsiveness there would be, um, just at a, you know, a dessert night, um, and uh, there was great great responsiveness almost like we've been dying for something <laughs> right like, why what's taking you so long exactly. <laughs> that's great so so that's the core group that we really really began in earnest to lean into um, and uh, with that group many of them were small group leaders themselves probably consist of eight small groups uh, represented by that group of folks um, we just started to craft the message um, craft a vision and 
we ask them not to, you know, not to follow us, but to lead with us. Mm. Really big deal. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. And ask for them to, to be leaders with us in this endeavor. And, uh, and so they began to strategize with us uh, how we can make this as uh, successful as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, just started to list names of people and maps and, you know, who is it that we're going to invite and uh, cast this vision with. Now, what, um, what, how much time was there from that first dessert night until when you actually started services? What did that look like from a time point of view? Yeah, so it was, uh, it was about a year yep. from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been the case with all of our other launches, mm-hmm. but for our first, we really needed to sort of wade into the waters of figuring out, you know, what is this process like? Right. And, uh, so, and, and build the congregation's uh, interest in it as well. Mm-hmm. Because uh, around it was a capital campaign and uh, and other things to help us uh, get started. What's it been for kind of subsequent launches? How long has that kind of going and cultivating the leadership team? How long has that process been now? Yeah, it's really varied. So we we uh, we were opportunistic about a, a, an opportunity that came to us in Watertown. Mm-hmm. Actually, a church was coming to a, coming to an end. Mm-hmm. to a close and folding and they were looking for a, a place to um, give their building to so great yeah uh, so because that time frame was you know was was clear about when the building was coming to us and so forth that was probably about six six months mm-hmm. and then recently we've opened a, uh, another campus or venue at um, at a local Christian school. Okay. Yeah. Which we actually started renting before we knew exactly what we were going to do, <laughs> the leadership and all of that. Okay. So that time frame has been a little more compressed to probably about three months at this point, with a with a significant launch coming up in the fall. Okay. Now, when what do you call your location? Satellite sites? What does that look like, and how does that impact your you know your approach to ministry with them? Yeah, so we, we call them campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, we really believe that satellite feels too small. It feels like it's orbiting around something bigger than us. Mm-hmm. And size-wise, size wise, that really is true. Um, but we one of, the, one of the aha moments for me along the way was uh, I really, you know, I was asked to be the campus pastor to sort of to leave um, the Grace Chapel that I had known, right. start something that that was uncharted in New England for sure, mm. and uh, whose success was unknown. Right. You know, not it would uh, would work here, and so I remember a point between you know just myself and the Lord one day, where I felt uh, I heard him very clearly say, "Tom, you can either you can either lead small hmm. in this, or you can lead big." Hmm. Um, and that helped me because I wondered, am I being shuttled off to Siberia? Right. <laughs> Kind of right. Worry moving out of a place where you know everyone. Right. To a place where you're going to start working deeply with a few folks mm-hmm. to grow. Um, and uh, it was that turning point where I realized that uh, that this was this was at the cutting edge of what God was doing at Grace Chapel, mm. and uh, and I believed in New England as well in the Greater Boston area. Mm. So I sort of embraced that. Wow, that's that's amazing. Now, what do your services look like? Do you use you mentioned earlier about video? You know, kind of give us a flavor of what you're doing. Because um, I would think, you know, I can imagine there'd be a resistance uh, saying, "Well, you know, I'm not sure the video thing will really work in New England." Um, you know, but what? Tell us what the services are like there. Yeah. So um, that was one of the significant 
points along the way is that I really believe what we need to create are not venues where people can come and watch the sermon, which is, uh, you know, that it is a video uh, message. It's mm -hmm. the only part of the service that uh, is video, you know, but uh, uh, that, that comes from Lexington. Mm -hmm. um, but everything else, it's live worship. It's uh, well-developed, very well-developed kids town, youth ministry, um, small groups, uh, outreach, all of it. So it, when you come, you're coming to a fully functioning church. Right. And uh, I just, I really believe that was what, the church has got to be the church. Right. It has to be the place where people come and feel like our experience in life comes with this community together. Mm -hmm. Worship God, whose kids are cared for and loved, um, who's, uh, who, who have a sense of purpose and outreach right in that community. Hmm. So, so it, when you come, it feels like church. Right. Definitely. Now, what would you say to, you know, in, uh, other established churches, you know, who've been around for a while, who are maybe considering multi-site, but aren't sure, I'm not sure this would, would translate. What would you say to, you know, one of those churches? Yeah, I'm always, you, you always have the conversation when people come. So mm -hmm. tell me, I hear you, I hear you do a video for right. them. What's that like? And um, so I was a skeptic as well early on. I thought, is this really going to work, especially around here? Mm -hmm. um, but what happens is when you come, the experience of your your church experience is so rich and full that, uh, you know, and, and the intimacy of seeing and hearing the message from as close as you get to mm. um, is, uh, is so rich as well. So you end up forgetting that, uh, oh, you know, Pastor Brian wasn't even here today. Right, yeah. right. We were so true. Experiencing that with him. So um, all of that, all of those anxieties go away with really just with that first uh, experience at church. So nice, very cool. Well, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we jump into uh, the lightning round? Yeah, just one other thing that we asked as we went along building a core of uh, folks is uh, we asked people not just from our church, not just to come and worship with us for a year. But a strategic decision we made along the way was to say, we, we're asking people to come to worship with us and to serve with us mm. for a full year. Mm -hmm. So we were looking for 200 folks to start us off on that journey. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that, um, that decision really has laid a uh, foundation um, and the groundwork of, of the way people experience church here. Um, we have great, great um uh, participants, partners, volunteers, people who really are deeply invested in making this a great church. And it's the reason why, you know, it's the reason why I love pastoring um, in Grace Chapel, Wilmington, is because everybody jumps in. Mm, very cool. And so. Now, how, how did you end up at the 200 number? How did that, you know, where did you, how did you come to that as the like, hey, that's the target? Yeah, um, you know, I think we, we, we talked and prayed a lot about what is it that we feel like is important to uh, establish a, uh, a place where there's enough of a critical mass. Mm -hmm. And we knew also that we wanted to start with two services okay, yep. uh, so that we could have a full kids town experience at both hours so that nobody misses church each week. You know, a lot of times at uh, one service uh, church, you know, a number of your folks miss Right. They're serving the kids. So that was really it. We thought if we get 100 people um, committed to two services, uh, that's, a, that's a start that we can really uh, grow from. Build from. Yeah. Nice.
This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Let's uh, jump into the lightning round, that part of the program where we ask similar questions to people who are always on uh, the show, ask the same questions. Um, yep. So the, the first one is, what's an online resource that you're using these days uh, that's you know helping you in your ministry? Yeah, we've used uh, we've used Fuse recently for okay. me. Our multi-campus ness requires us to uh, regularly uh, connect with uh, with each other. So, and what, what is Fuse for people who don't know? Yeah, it's a free on online uh, um, resource that allows you to set up a meeting, um, share screens um, and documents, and so on. Mm -hmm. So it's just uh, you know I don't know that it's any greater than uh, you know any of the others that are out there but it's free which we love free is good yeah <laughs> free is good on the budget <laughs> that's right um, and uh, I don't know if anybody's used doodle but doodle is a great little uh, tool that allows you to take a quick poll land uh, you know quick decisions with a large group of folks if you want to float out uh, you know which of these days uh, should we meet uh, that sort of thing when you do a multi-campus you know uh, church experience, you just need to find ways to um, streamline decision making on simple tasks. Absolutely. You know, I've often thought it's interesting how technology, you know, really is impacting the church in a pretty significant way. You know, like there's a lot of these tools, the tools you used, even just something simple as like video projectors and the cost of them, really multi-site wouldn't exist without those technologies. It's they're enabling a brand new way uh, of reaching out to communities. It's amazing. Yep, absolutely. How how often when you know before would you say if we're launching a church we need to have what you know you need to have small group leaders, you need to have kids town workers, you need to have a tech team. Right. Got to have a team of folks who understand how to pull together everything behind the booth every Sunday uh, with great execution. So um, that was a significant part of uh, our our um, you know gathering a, a team together. That tech team was critical. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. What's a book you've read uh, in the last six months or so, or a year that has impacted your thinking, your ministry? Yeah, we've we've uh, just recently read as a staff, uh, Deep and Wide, hmm. um, from uh, Andy Stanley, and we're really it's brought us to this place where we're asking ourselves uh, if if we're going to continue to be used by God in the future, what are the things that need to change about us hmm. um, and in us um, that allow us to reach people that we currently aren't reaching. What is a new thing that God can do in us that can lead us to uh, to, to to reaching out to, to people that we're not currently uh, connecting with? And so what are the barriers that we set up ourselves as, uh, as, as leaders that inhibit our own you know, ability to bring the gospel to more people? So we're thinking through that a lot. That's a fantastic book. It's... Uh, yeah. It's a page turner for sure. Even just the beginning part of it where Andy talks about his relationship with his dad, just that's what hooked me in that book. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the opening, it's the first chapter or second chapter. I'm like, okay, I, obviously I'm a fan of Andy Stanley. I, you know, I appreciate their ministry big time. Um, but reading that, it just sucked me in. I'm like, gosh, I, I want to, I'll read every, anything you got to say yeah. after explaining what that, that whole situation was amazing. So yeah. well worth reading. Personal story right from the start that gets you, Recognizing some of the change, some of the differences in uh, in between generations. Absolutely, yeah. A new place today too. So yeah, for sure. All right, what's another ministry uh, that you're looking to that kind of inspires you? 
You know, we, we look all around. I'm, I'm eager. I'm taking a sabbatical uh, here in a little bit and oh, nice. heading out to uh, Chicago. So Willow Creek has always been a place that, uh, you know, we've learned a lot from. The mm-hmm. Summit's been an important part of that. Um, North Point we went and visited as we were looking at the multi-campus mm-hmm. kind of strategies. Um, but nowadays there are so many places that uh, are doing great things like you guys at Liquid. We just we, I just feel like there's a plethora of places where um, we can glean from, and nobody does it exactly the same, right? Um, which is exciting for me. Exactly. So, uh, I'm eager to head out to Chicago land and do a little investigating of some uh, multi-campus churches out that way uh, in uh, just a couple of months. Nice. That's uh, that's fantastic. Um, the um, if you could get 15 minutes with any leader alive, uh, just to kind of pick their brain, who would you want to uh, pick their brain with, and why? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that. Uh, There's so many people who, who I could choose. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and the truth is, the kind of leaders I love to sit with are the kind of leaders who are in my uh, sanctuary mm. um, every Sunday. And I thought about who I'd love to sit with. It's, it's the people who have committed, it's the kind of people who have committed themselves uh, to the life of the church who aren't professionals, who aren't right. professional uh, religious leaders. Mm-hmm. But who are are are, are uh, who give of themselves and their lives and their families mm. um, to help make the church great? Hmm. And so you know, when I was reading that question, I thought this is exactly why I love being in ministry. <laughs> I get to sit with leaders at 15, 20, half hours uh, at a time. Absolutely. Uh, find out what motivates them. So. Spoken like a true campus pastor. That's exactly you know? <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. Very true. All right. So when you're, uh, you know, just want to kick back, relax, enjoy some downtime, uh, what do you do just to have some fun? Yeah, I, uh, I love to uh, love to work out, love to spend some time in the gym when I can. Nice. Four kids, so that time is limited. I've got the <laughs> right. three-year-olds, an 11-year-old, and a 15-year-old, so I'm in the thick of it right now. Very uh, cool. But uh, recently I've, uh, I've revisited an old uh, uh, an old hobby of mine, uh, magic, close-up magic. So, oh, nice little sleight of hand. Next podcast, we'll do a whole uh, tutorial. How about that? <laughs> oh, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I'm a bit of a magic junkie. I love watching magicians, particularly, you know, like you're saying, up front, like all that, like big stuff on stage. Yeah. I'm like, come on, there's probably 25 guys working backstage to make that thing work. But when you see a guy who can take some cards or something, that's that's really cool. It's fun. It is <laughs> fun. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today, Tom. If people want to get in touch with you or your ministry, how can they learn more uh, about Grace? Yeah, you can uh, check out our website at grace.org. Um, and uh, you can reach me at tomv at grace.org. So we've also got a couple of Facebook pages uh, um, that you can uh, find us at. Uh, both the Lexington campus and the Wilmington campus and the Watertown campus and now our East Lexington uh, campus as well. Nice. I really appreciate you being on the show today. Great. Thanks, Rich. That's great. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter 
at Rich Birch or through email, rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.